My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the main card for UFC 270 in Ganu vs. Gan. We have a unifying of the heavyweight title fights. We're going to give you our picks, our bets. We're going to break down the fights, tell you who we think is going to win, and tell you where you might be able to make some money. If you like UFC content and you care about breakdowns and bets, make sure you subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. We're going to walk through the entire main card, which as of right now is only four fights. We're going to walk through all of it. Before I jump in, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Jump into any one of those links, make a deposit, let me know, and I will pay you $50. Cash app, Venmo, PayPal, literally however you want your free money, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Let's jump right in. I'm ready. Next up at UFC 270, we have Ilya Taporia versus Mavzar Evloyev. Ilya Taporia 11-0 overall, obviously 5-0 in his last five. Mavzar, Mavzar Evloyev 15-0, obviously 5-0 in his last five. And somebody's O must go in the battle of undefeated prospects. Mavzar Evloyev is a fantastic chain wrestler. He averages an insane four takedowns per fight with a very low accuracy of 47%. And I've mentioned this before. When you see a lot of takedowns, but a very low takedown percentage, that tells you that the fighter's a chain wrestler. They're constantly moving from one takedown to another because the stats will just imply that he takes a shot, misses it, takes a second shot, and sometimes gets that one. But that's not what's happening. It's one single entry, one single shot, and from there transitioning to the hips, back to the legs, around the front. And it, it honestly is control that entire time, dictating the pace that entire time. So yes, not getting each one of those transitions as a takedown, but anytime you see somebody that has that many takedowns in a fight, but a low takedown percentage, they are a dominant chain wrestler and they're wasting a lot of time tying up a lot of the fight time and using that to control their opponent. Mavzar also has a pretty good, uh, he has pretty good hands. He has pretty good stand-up game. He has very nice striking differential of two to one. So he hits his opponents twice for every one shot that comes back his way. And he's an opportunistic grappler, meaning if there's something there, he'll snatch it up but he is not going to go looking or digging for submissions. He'll get those four takedowns and he'll work. He'll control. He'll hit you every now and then, but he's not looking for a finish. He's not looking for a submission. It's a lot of control. Ilya Taporia is also a very good wrestler. He averages a little more than three takedowns per fight. And he also has a positive striking differential of three to two. So a little more volume than moms are in the offensive striking. These guys are very, similar in style, but I would say Ilya is a little better striker, has a little more power, and he has the better offensive grappling. When I say grappling, I'm talking about jujitsu because he'll look for submissions instead of just controlling and defending. This is honestly one of the best fights on the entire card. And if it wasn't for the co-main event, this would be my pick for the best fight on the entire card. And I'm really looking forward to it. I hate that one of these guys has to lose I almost wish they didn't match them against each other because they're on awesome trajectories and they're both a ton of fun to watch. They're very similar, and I see both of them in title contention or at least fighting for a title within the next year or so. Both of them are incredible wrestlers, but I will give the edge to Evil Evolve 
or Eve, Eve, Evloyev. I, these Russian names, man. Um, because of the chain wrestling, both guys have solid striking. I will give the edge to Taporia because he doesn't necessarily have the same volume as, as Mazvar, Movzar, but he definitely has more power in his hands. And we saw that when he just put Ryan Hall out cold in very embarrassing fashion. Jacob, please control yourself while I get through this. Um, <coughs> oh, there you go. Uh, someone doesn't like you talking bad. <laughs> and both of them in. are good grapplers. But again, I would give the edge to Taporia because Taporia will actually look for a submission and not just wait for one to present itself. And I know I just rattled off their skill sets and I just gave Taporia two to one. But this is honestly a, a pretty close to an impossible pick. I think it is a pick em. But I'm going to go with uh, Movzar Evloev here because I think the nonstop chain wrestling, I think the fact that he has no problem just working you against the cage, working down to the legs, coming back up to the body, working out front. Working, he, I think he will take away any distance and any opportunity that Ilya has to get off, that Ilya has to shoot takedowns, to throw hands. I think he just takes that away from him, stays in his face, stays busy with the wrestling, and he'll ride out most likely a decision win. A lot of people are high on Taporia here, especially after that one-sided beating in his last fight. But the reality is that win was over Ryan Hall. It doesn't hold much water. Jacob, what are your thoughts? One-sided beating. First of all, the strikes were 18 to 13. So if you take out a few of those finishing finishing strikes, I think it was an early stoppage. If you take a, out a few of those finishing strikes, the strikes were even. And Ryan Hall was 0 for 3 at takedown. So Ryan Hall was pushing the pressure. We're he not trying to get that takedown. Fight. He already he lost. Even on the strikes. Excuse me, you fashion. had your time. He was even on the strikes. He was he he had his he had his arm underneath, getting ready to get that heel hook. There was one shot that looked like it kind of clipped him a little bit. I think it boy was it Herb some 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 ref that had no idea what they were doing jumped in and stopped the fight right when he was about to just lock up a this knee. Too much time on Ryan Hall. from his body. With that being said. Ilya Taporia might be the greatest fighter of all time because he was able to get that finish on Ryan Hall. I think it was an early stoppage. I think Ryan Hall would have dominated the second and third rounds. I think there was 13 seconds in the left in the first round. Uh, if he gets out of that first round, I think, I think Ryan Hall dominates the second and third. But Ilya Taporia finish him. So that makes Ilya Taporia one of the greatest fighters of all time. If we're talking about this fight in a serious, man in a serious manner, this is going to be one of the fight of the nights. And these guys are very, very evenly skilled. And I think the, the 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 easiest tell for this fight is who's controlling the center of the octagon. I think whoever's going to be able to control the center of the octagon is going to be able to control this fight because they are going to be able to control the shots, only, uh, not only with the striking, but also the shots as far as getting takedowns. If you're Ilya Tapora, there's two things you cannot do. I don't think you can be on your back foot because if you get up against the cage, Evolov is going to be all over you. Like you said, his chain wrestling is insane. A lot of times when people are, are wrestling, they're going for a shot. They'll get on somebody's hips, and they'll just kind of wait there and wait for that person to make a move. And you'll hear kind of DC or Felder talk, kind of walking through what they should do next, right? They need to drop to a single. They need to do this. The, the inside trip's there. Evolov is not one of those guys. He's one of those guys that's just boom, 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 boom. You don't have time to think. If you cannot scramble or react, you're going to get dominated. I think Taporia can scramble, and I think he can react. The biggest thing he cannot do, because he is very, very good in his jiu-jitsu, 
He's a black belt. Like uh, he's been black belt for a while. Very, very good jujitsu. He said he wasn't scared of Ryan Hall's jujitsu, but he didn't even take attempt to, or didn't have a, attempt a takedown. So he's very scared of Ryan Hall. But he cannot try to pull a guillotine against Ivalov. A lot of times you see these jujitsu guys that are very comfortable with the jujitsu, and I say it all the time. If Evlov is taking a shot and you try and pull a guillotine, Evlov, you're not you're not going to submit him with the with the guillotine. Now watch him get submitted, but you're probably not going to submit him with the guillotine. And he's just going to be able to get you to the ground, and that's when he's just going to control you. And his wrestling is so dominant that your jujitsu, if you're in that position, doesn't matter. At the same time, Taporia, I think he needs to trust his jujitsu, and with that, I mean. When Evelov, a lot of times he sets up shots with big power shots, a big overhand right that he's not really trying to land, but he's just throwing it to get to the legs, right? And a lot of times people are so worried about the, the takedowns and stuff, they might get clipped by it, and then they'll, they'll try and defend the takedowns. Taporia, if he just kind of trusts his jiu-jitsu and his ability to scramble out, out of those takedowns, I think those counter shots are going to be there for him. So instead of just waiting and trying to sprawl, I think you just sit there, wait for the takedown to come, wait for that big shot, counter off that big shot and then try to win this scramble off that. Cause I think he's good enough to win scrambles and that's going to be the biggest point uh, in this fight. So, you know, I think Evola is probably the play because the wrestling is going to beat jujitsu, you know, 90% of the time, but this is a finisher versus a decision guy. Evola's got a lot of decisions that Tori's a finisher, man. Um, I think that this fight, if it gets kind of nasty earlier, I like to pour you win those scrambles. The longer it goes, though, I think it favors Evalov. You've seen Taporia, especially in that Zalal fight, kind of the very end of that fight. And he was he was fighting aggressive, and he's always going to be there. He's never going to quit. But Taporia, at the end of that fight, was getting a little bit tired. Uh, that worries me a little bit. I'm going Taporia. Um, you know, he's my guy now. You know, he tra- Ryan Hall transferred his energy and his powers uh, into him. So I'm going Taporia in this, but I, I don't love it. So we both agree it's a super close fight. We're split on who we think wins. You're going to Poria because he's a finisher. I'm going Evlaev literally because he's not a finisher. <laughs> I trust him to just tie up the legs, remove any distance, and just take away any offense that Taporia has. I think the odds are correct, though. I mean, we have two under 30-year-old prospects with very, very similar styles that are going to go at it. Uh, yeah, I'm think- looking forward to it. It should be yeah. really exciting, and I hope nobody gasses and these two just absolutely go wild. Yeah, I hope it's I hope it's what we expect. And I honestly, I think that these guys are probably going to see each other down the road again. I don't think this is going to be the first. This might be one of those weird ones where you know, eight years from now we get you know Evolov to pour you two for the title or whatever. So uh, this be interesting. Yeah, it should be a fun one, and I'm looking forward to it. Next up at UFC 270, we have a battle of the heavyweights. It's sort of a win or go home clash of styles. Very interesting matchup here. We have an athletic, heavy-handed striker in Greg Hardy versus an aging workhorse grappler in Alexi Olenek. And yes, that is the same Alexi Olenek from our intro. Uh, But before I break this down, both of these guys spent a good amount of their careers in American Top Team. I asked a very good friend of mine uh, who trains there and is very involved down there. Uh, if they've ever trained together and his exact Which isn't me. Words, just just to be clear, that's not me. I don't I don't train at ATT yeah, anymore. It's, it's if, in case you couldn't tell by the Make a Wish Foundation video under me, Jacob does not train at American Top Team. Uh, but we did reach out to a good friend, and he exact words were, to my knowledge, <laughs> no significant training occurred. So the fact that these two shared a camp for a while didn't matter. There's enough heavyweights there to go around, and for whatever reason. They did not train together, but we have Greg Hardy, seven and four in his entire career. He's two and three in his last five, coming off the loss to Ty Tuivasa, where he actually had Ty rocked 
before those tables were turned. Alexi Olenek, 59 and 16. 59 and 16 in his career. Also two and three in his last five, and he's coming off a three-loss skid. Greg Hardy is big, fast, powerful, and athletic. He hits hard and is surprisingly put together considering how few fights he actually has. He's had 11 fights in his entire MMA career. And honestly, he fights well beyond that 11-fight experience. He's primarily a striker, but he has executed a single takedown in his UFC career against Maurice Green. I can't imagine he's going to be looking to take down Alexi Olenek here. Um, but he will look to keep it standing. And with his 80% takedown defense, he may be able to do that um, because he has absolutely shown in previous fights that he does lack a ground game. He is not at American Top Team anymore. He's moved to a smaller gym, uh, also in Florida, and he's training with Rashad Evans. Alexi Olenek is a ridiculously experienced grappler. Uh, he has a high finish rate. There's absolutely no secrets as to what Alexi's path and plan is in these fights. At his age, his chin isn't exactly what it used to be. His cardio isn't exactly what it used to be. But he could submit anyone from anywhere. His biggest challenge in fights is he's not a great wrestler. He does struggle at times to take people down. His wrestling and takedown accuracy is only 33%. But he does average two takedowns per fight, which just like our previous breakdown means he's just constantly looking for legs. He's constantly looking to get this to the ground. Uh, The concern here, though, is he does have a negative striking differential. And Greg Hardy is not the guy that you want hitting you more than you hit them. Listen, camps, gyms, training partners, all of those matter. That all matters. How much it matters can be debated, but it matters. And I bring that up because Greg Hardy is a special athlete. I mean, he's top 1% athlete on the planet. He was in the NFL. He moved over to MMA. He had a bunch of success early. And when you're that athletic and you're with the right camp, it is very easy to absorb information, to get better, to do well, and to sort of, you know, skyrocket and, and speed up your success. But a few fights ago, Greg moved from American Top Team to a smaller gym And we've seen that slide. He doesn't have the high-quality training. He doesn't have the high-quality corner work. He doesn't have the high-quality game planning anymore, which means he's now just riding his pure athleticism as far as it can take him. And listen, he cracked Tai Tuivasa in his last fight. Those tables were turned, and it went the other way. If he hits Alexi Olenek with that exact same shot, he likely goes out. And Greg Hardy's athleticism can take him much farther than a lot of people Um, but I got to go with the veteran savvy here. I mean, he's basically a two to one underdog and I get it. Greg Hardy's big athletic hits hard, but Alexi Olenek, I mean, he's got almost 60 wins, 60 wins. Greg Hardy only has 11 fights. Alexi has seen people just as athletic who hit just as hard. Jacob, we talked earlier, you mentioned, you know, how his chin actually looked really good in his fight against Derek Lewis. So I'm going with Alexi Olenek here. I obviously, there would be no, nothing about it would be surprising if he was knocked out. It's Greg Hardy. He hits hard. But I like Alexi to use the veteran savvy to make sure there's no distance ever crowd and just try to work this to the ground at all costs and go from there. Alexi's the pick. Big underdog. What do you think? 
First of all, I need to say, Greg Hardy, for the love of God, if he doesn't have the, his back tattoo finished, that thing has been unfinished for like six years. Since he's been in the UFC, it's literally been unfinished. I don't know what he's doing with that. The same one as the chest. It goes to his back. You can see it on his shoulder right there, still unfinished. For the love of God, just finish the tattoo. It, it looks awful. Just finish the tattoo. Um, yeah, as far as this fight goes, I see this the same way going. Is that a sentence? I see this the same way going. I see this going the same way as the as the Derek Lewis fight. I think you mentioned Olenek's inability to get to the fight to the ground. Derek Lewis got that fight to the ground. I mean, Derek Lewis, like quote unquote, got that fight to the ground because he clipped Olenek, hurt him, and then got on top of him. I could see Greg Hardy doing the exact same thing. I think Olenek's probably going to get hit. I think he's going to get up against the cage. And I could see Greg Hardy being that inexperienced fighter following Alexi Olenek to the ground, right? You got him hurt. Let me just get on top of him. And Olympic uh, against Derek Lewis was able to take like Derek Lewis, like in like has his back just beaten on his head, was still able to scramble out of positions. And then from that was able to get on top of Derek Lewis and actually probably would have snapped his arm in half at the end of the first round. If he didn't run out of time, he had that uh, Anaconda, whatever it was, um, Americana, whatever, you know, whatever it is uh, about, about literally about to snap his arm in half. And then the, uh, I, what is it? Is it Americana? I mean, we're here breaking down fights. A, I, I know it's not a, forever, I, I you were about Kimura. But, but a, like, it's it? a Americana, right? Yeah, but you called it an Anaconda. I know. And that's why I said initially <laughs> I said Anaconda, and then I realized that's a choke. So I, I knew it was an A one. And I knew the difference. I knew it wasn't a Kimura. So, that, I mean, you got to give me props on that. So, literally, he almost snapped his arm in half. The time ran out. Um, I could see this going the exact same way. Greg Hardy hurts him, falls him to the ground, and gets in trouble on the ground because Olenek is tough. There's a few things that I want to mention that I, that I saw on Greg Hardy's uh, doing my deep dive Instagram, deep dives. <laughs> Greg Hardy's Instagram, December 12th, which is 12 days ago. He, you got to imagine he's in camp out partying with Dennis Rodman. I don't know. You you mentioned before drinking during camp. I don't know, but he's out partying with Dennis Rodman. And there's a few other things. On December 5th, he posts a picture of him training. He's got like his – nobody else, nobody has pads because I know a lot of times in, in sparring you, you'll wear elbow pads, shin pads. This. Nobody has anything else on, but he has a, a pad on his left leg, lower left leg over his foot. That's the only thing he has on. He also posted a video, a short video of him hitting mitts December 16th, which is 11 days later. And the video is cropped to you, so you cannot see his legs. It's just like a weird zoomed in picture of him just hitting mitts like twice, like just boom, boom. So I don't know if there's something going on, on his feet. I don't know if he's got an injury he's trying to hide, but there's something going on there. That's what I saw. I, I, I kind of see the same way that you see this. Olenek is probably going to get hit. He's probably going to get hurt. There's a chance he's probably going to get knocked out. But I think the inexperience of Greg Hardy will follow him to the ground. And that's just, that's a Linux world. And even if you get him up against the cage, he's choked people out there. Ezekiel choke just standing up. And he almost did that against Derek Lewis. So, you know, I think a might be a play here, but it's going to be a, a kind of a shot in the dark. Greg Hardy's probably going to win, but I'm going to take a as well. Because I think the inexperience of Greg Hardy is going to get him in trouble. And he's going to be in some positions that he doesn't want to be in. I mean, very clear game plans from both of these guys. Keep it on your feet and try to knock him out and get it to the ground and try to break one of his blimbs. I like the limit by Anaconda Choke. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. If you like Alexi Olenek, jump into one of those links, make a deposit, take that bet plus 145, maybe give yourself a cushion, do a round line. Either way, wewantpicks.com slash bets, make a deposit, let me know, and I will send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo. However you want it, $50 as a thank you. Next up, at UFC 270, we have the third fight between these two. We have Brandon Moreno versus Davison Figueredo. Brandon Moreno, 19-5 and five overall, 
4-0-1, the one is a draw against Figueredo, 4-0-1 coming off of the dominant win over his opponent here. Devison Figueredo is 20-2 in his career, 3-1-1 in his last five, obviously coming off of the other side of that Moreno fight, and the one is the draw as well. This is the third and likely final fight between these two. We saw a majority draw with one judge giving the uh, first fight to Figueredo, the other two calling it a draw, and then the last time they just fought. And that was just because of point deduction. Figueredo won that fight, but there was a point deduction because of, Correct. what, a nut shot or whatever? It so was Saifio, yeah. Correct. So the first fight, Figueredo won. It was technically a majority draw because two judges called it a draw. One judge gave it to Figueredo, and the other two had to take up, well, all of them had to take a point off of the scorecards. And their last fight, Brandon Moreno beat the crap out of Davis and Figueredo, beat the absolute crap out of him. And we'll break down those fights in a little more detail in a minute. Brandon Moreno is great. First of all, personality-wise, you could not, like, there's nothing you could need from him. He's happy. He's funny. He's always smiling. You could tell he appreciates everything he has and where he is. But skill-wise, he's very tough. He's got a great chin, and he puts on a very, very good pace. In their first fight, he won the wrestling exchanges um, and the scrambles. He doesn't have the same power that Figueredo does, uh, but he makes up for it with volume and looks to overwhelm. He needs to push the pace. He needs to try to exhaust a somewhat easily exhaustible Davis and Figueredo. But Brandon Moreno, very well-rounded. Specifically in this matchup, he doesn't have the same power, but he does have a better pace. He doesn't have the same jiu-jitsu, but he does have better wrestling. Davis and Figueredo, also a very well-rounded guy, as you would expect from a former champion. He's dangerous everywhere. He's very good at baiting you into thinking that you're inside the pocket, and then he plays that line really well. So you think you're in range when he isn't, and then he comes in with his big shots. His BJJ is fantastic. He's incredible off his back, and not to mention he has legitimate power in his hands. The issue, however, is it affects his cardio. He has all that power. He's got he's very muscled for this weight class, but he's got cardio issues. Manel Cop, another fighter in this division, he did an interview with MMA Junkie this week uh, where he mentioned that Figueredo had big weight cutting issues uh, in the last fight and that he was literally in the hospital leading up to it. His breakdown, this is Manel Cop's breakdown of this fight, was that Figgy's power is dangerous and Moreno feels that power in the fights, but that if it goes into the third round or past the third round, Moreno takes over his pace, his cardio, and he wins the fight. I mostly agree with that insight, but before I give a pick, let's take a look at the stats here from their last two fights. The very first fight was at UFC 256, and... Brandon Moreno landed 132 strikes to Divas and Figueredo's 137. Brandon Moreno had four takedowns for Figueredo's two, and Brandon Moreno had much more control time. Stats don't tell the whole story, though, because as Jacob mentioned, this was their first fight, and pretty much Figueredo won that fight. You had to take a point away for a penalty, which is how it ended up in a draw. And I'm, look and I'm looking at the uh, scorecards now. It was basically Figueredo won the first three rounds, um, and then the, the judges made the third round a draw basically between the two of them. And then exactly. one judge had it, uh, or two judges had Figgy winning the fifth round as well. 
Um, their second fight was at UFC 263. This was a one-sided beating for Moreno. Moreno had 47 strikes to 24. He ended by stoppage. 47 strikes to 24, two takedowns to one, and almost five minutes of control time to a minute and a half. So, you know, history does tell you something. I, you know, this is a very close fight. It's a very interesting fight. Um, you know, I, I have to, man, Figgy has the power. He did have his own grappling successes in the first two fights. You see he's gotten takedowns in all of them. In the last fight, he actually amassed a little bit of control time compared to the first fight. But grappling is exhausting. You know, it's exhausting. And Figueredo already has cardio issues. I have to go with Moreno here to make it an absolute dogfight to avoid the power and just work, 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 work his way to a win. But this will not be the one-sided beating that it was last time. I think that was just lightning in a bottle. Figueredo had a terrible weight cut, wasn't feeling himself. And that fight just was – it was just not his night, and that happens. I think this is much closer to the first fight. Very good back and forth. I wouldn't be surprised if Figueredo had a grapple-heavy game plan. But I do think this is razor-thin, good fight. I'm going with Moreno because I'm just – I got to go with cardio. I got to go with cardio over just raw power. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, this is a this is a tough one, and I, I like you said, there's nothing against Brandon Moreno. He's an incredible person, one of the greatest people I've ever seen in in interviews or whatever, and just a super down to earth guy. Just he just goes on the weekends and just builds Legos, and then on Saturday nights he just beats the shit out of people. So that's always fun. That's kind of like it's kind of like Alan in my life too. Um, yeah. uh, but you know, figure, you mentioned the cardio issues. I don't know if he really has cardio issues, especially in that first fight. And he's a guy that really kind of is like an excuse maker because one after the first fight didn't he say he was like sick in that fight and then the second fight he's like oh i had weight cut issues in that fight even though he won the first fight he i mean two of the judges gave him the fifth round in, in, in the first fight so if you have cardio issues not going to win a round and two judges thought he won that fifth round i think he's one of those guys that just kind of has peaks and values you see that with connor too right where kind of you kind of they kind of blow their load they look exhausted but then they kind of come back a little bit and you'll have a good round like Connor against Khabib won that third round where you thought he was like down and out after getting dropped in the second they come back it's um so I don't know if I, I would say cardio is a huge issue obviously if there's a lot of grappling involved in this one and it gets the fourth or fifth round they've been rolling around rolling around I'd give it to Moreno because he's got that wrestling edge it, to me it always feels like Figgy just has more ways to win right he's got the power He's got the jujitsu, and I, th I think with the wrestling, he's he's slick enough in those scrambles, and he's powerful enough to kind of explode out of those positions. I think that he didn't. Re I don't know if he didn't respect Moreno's wrestling in that second fight, but I just I think he just assumed he was going to be able to uh, scramble and explode out of everything that Moreno was going to pre present to him. And then when, when Moreno got his back and got those hooks in, it was like, oh man, like I underestimated I underestimated this guy. Because um, you saw it a couple times where Moreno got on top. He just kind of exploded out of it. And Moreno, there, Figgy's kind of rolling around. This time, I agree. I think he comes in. I think he d does more offensive grappling. I think he respects the grappling and wrestling of Moreno a little bit more. And this is going to come down to can Moreno's chin continue to hold up? Because he eats shots, man. Figgy eats or he, he throws hard. And he lands solid when he lands. And up to this point, Moreno just eats them. Just eats them fine. He's not slipping them. He's not moving. I mean, he rolls with them a little bit because he is a good boxer, but he's eating shots. And if his chin holds up again, he's definitely going to win. But at some point, man, it just feels like Figgy's going to land that shot that he lands all the time and he's going to capitalize on it. So I'm going to be rooting for Moreno. Uh, I, I like Moreno. 
I think Figgy's going to get it done. I think he's going to get the belt back. I think it's going to be and new. I think Figgy's going to get it done. Yeah, and like, listen, I I picked Moreno literally because of the pace that he sets. But this is the type of fight where, you know, the weigh-ins will tell me a lot because Figueredo just looked off, like in the weigh-ins and the leading up that whole week. He just seemed off. Didn't seem like he wanted it. Didn't seem like he went from nice guy to like fake not nice guy. Like it, it made no sense. So depending what, what Figueredo looks like, if he comes out there and he's the most motivated guy on the planet and he's screaming on the scale and you can just tell he's ready, you know, then then maybe I flip my pick, you know. But if it's more of the same and he just looks like he's exhausted and he's had a long, hard career and he achieved what he wanted to and for whatever reason he was good and, you know, now he's just accepted, you know, like, yeah, I lost, no big deal. Then it's, a, it's you know, obviously it'll go the other way. So – I'm very much looking forward. But both those first two fights were fantastic. You know, the second one was not the dog fight that the first one was, but it was still great. So I'm looking forward to this. There's a ton of betting potential, whether it's the round line, inside the distance, inside the distance, this is no action. There's a ton of betting potential here. Let's wait till the props drop. But in the meantime, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, make a deposit, let me know, and I'll send you $50 Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, literally 50 bucks cash, however you want it. I will send it to you as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Next up at UFC 270, we have the main event of the evening. We have a heavyweight title unification bout between the two current heavyweight champions. We have interim champion in Cyril Ghan and the actual champion, Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou is 16-3 and overall, 5-0 and in his last five, coming off of that KO win over Stipe Miocic to win the belt. We have Cyril gone 10-0 and in his career, obviously 5-0 and in his last five, and he is coming off of the absolute destruction of Derek Lewis to win the interim title. And there's an interim title because of Francis's, I don't know, UFC didn't think he was busy enough and he didn't accept some fights they wanted him to, so they thought they'd spite him by doing an interim title with Cyril Gaon, and all they did was get us even more excited for this matchup. I know a lot of people think that this fight reads very similar to, you know, just power versus technique, and that's it. But I do think there's more to that, um, more to that, more to this fight than that narrative. Francis Ngannou is the scariest guy in the division. He has all the power that Derek Lewis has, plus more in my opinion, but he also has the actual technique to set things up, um, but, you know, not a ton more volume, but he does have more volume than Derek Lewis does as well. He only averages about two and a half significant strikes per minute, um, and most people assume that if you take Francis down, you can ride him out and win from there, but he's only been taken down in four fights in the UFC, and in three of those, he won by stoppage, two knockouts and a submission, and the only other one that he didn't win was his first fight against Stipe. Everybody else that's taking him down, he absolutely puts away. So taking him down, holding him down is not a clear path to victory when you're fighting Francis Ngannou. And in his last fight against Stipe, not only did he defend the takedowns incredibly well, his hips were exactly where they were supposed to be, down, legs back, stuffed ahead. He even reversed the position, picked up Stipe, and dumped him down for his own takedown. So Francis Ngannou is good everywhere can defend takedowns, can get his own if he needs to, and he's a good kickboxer. He doesn't have as much volume as you would like, but he has insane power. Cyril Gaon 
is identical to Francis Ngannou in stature. They're both 6'4". They both have 83 inches of reach. But they're very different fighters. They're both strikers, but they are very different fighters. He does not have the same power as Francis Ngannou, but he is much more technical striker. He has really high volume and a well-rounded arsenal. He'll kick, he'll grapple, and then he'll, you know, he'll play the, the best in-and-out game in heavyweight history, meaning he'll come in, touch you, move, come in, touch you, move. And it's, yeah, I've, nobody in heavyweight history has done that as well as Cyril Ghosn does. Um, his striking differential is ridiculously impressive at 5-2, to two, which means he hits his opponents five times for every two times that he's hit, which speaks to how incredible his footwork and movement is. He also uses that footwork to set up takedowns. He took down Dante Mays three times in their matchup and Rosenstruck twice in that matchup, which honestly not only speaks to the fact that he's versatile enough to mix in takedowns, but he's also smart enough to game plan. Those are two heavy-handed strikers, and he mixed in some takedowns to get them confused, get them you know, thinking about the striking, thinking about the takedowns, and then he went from there. This should be a really good fight, and even if it isn't fireworks, which there's always potential for that in some of these heavyweight matchups, I love the whole former training partner with bad blood dynamic and plot line. It feels exactly like Chuck Liddell versus Tito Ortiz back in the day. It's like the exact same plot line back in the day. The exact same thing. I love the absolute clash of styles. Both strikers, but very different plot forward versus touch and go type striking. A lot of people are comparing this matchup to Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis all over again. But honestly, I, I don't think you're giving Francis Ngannou enough credit. Just saying he's basically Derek Lewis is ridiculous. He's much better than Derek Lewis literally everywhere. Just because he doesn't have the same volume but does have big one-punch power does not make him the one-punch wonder that Derek Lewis is. He also has very good takedown defense, and he's an accomplished kickboxer. If you look at the training footage, which I have up here, what I take away from that is basically what we already know, right? We see Cyril Gan coming in and out, touching and going, moving it up. But we just see Francis Ngannou just plodding forward and just doing those big shots. And it's light sparring. It's not a full-blown fight. But he's just coming forward, big heavy uppercut, big overhand, and just working those shots. And what that tells me, and take this for what it's worth, what that tells me is Francis Ngannou does not care about Cyril Ghosn's power. And just because that video is light sparring doesn't mean there haven't been hard sparring sessions that weren't taped. So I, my personal opinion is Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn have gone at it in the gym, as you would expect training partners to do. Cyril has touched up Francis. Francis doesn't care, which is why even when they're light sparring, he's just so comfortable coming forward, coming forward, and just throwing because he's not worried about what's coming back his way. And I think that's going to be the dynamic in this actual fight. I like Francis to win. I think Francis is the far more dangerous fighter between the two because Cyril Gaon, very good kickboxer, but I don't, he, he's not exactly putting people out, right? He's wearing you down. He's touching you up. He got Derek Lewis to quit. Where Francis Ngannou can put you out. Francis Ngannou can stop the takedowns. Francis Ngannou, yes, the volume will not be there, but I don't think it matters how many times Cyril Gaon touches Francis Ngannou. I don't think it's going to bother him because I think he knows the power is there and I will find the spot eventually. And I'll go to you in one second. If you watch the first Stipe fight, 
Stipe versus Francis. Stipe beat the crap out of Francis, but Francis was in that fight. He never quit. He took his beating. He kept coming forward. And I think Sirogan tries to do the same, but I don't think he's as effective. I think Francis Ngannou wins this fight, but this is a close fight. Jakey boy, you talked about their physique or uh, Francis's physique and stuff too. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, you're gonna. Do you have that picture ready? Do you want me to just talk? I about sure that? do. Bang! There it is. Yeah. So if you if you look at that picture, th- this picture on the left is an older picture. On the right was posted what like a week and a half ago, and the caption was Francis is entering beast mode. He looks fantastic. Look at him. But if you look at the size difference. And this isn't like a lot of times this could be like your gym pictures, right? Because a lot of times when you go to the gym, obviously you get a pump and then afterwards you look real pumped up. And a lot of times if you compare like a non-training, you know, uh, picture to like him in a fight, you know, when you're fighting your, your muscles are all, you got all the blood flowing and stuff. It's like, if he wasn't training and it's like, okay, you can see that comparison, but he's sweating in this picture. You can see he just got done training. He should be like full of blood and he looks a little thin to me. And that could be two things that could be, you know. There's some stuff going on. Maybe he's off some stuff. Maybe he's on some stuff. Maybe there's other issues going on. Or maybe he's just slimming down, right? Maybe he just naturally wants to be a little bit quicker because he knows he's familiar with God. He wants to. He, he knows he's going to have the power regardless. So let me just let me get a little bit lighter on my feet. Let me get a little bit quicker uh, for those counter shots. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure. I, I love your comparison of um, of, of Derek Lewis because a lot of people are saying, you know, he's just there. He's just a better Derek Lewis. Just, Derek Lewis does not make adjustments, right? Derek Lewis is just Derek Lewis, and that's who he is. He's gonna he's gonna go in there. He's just gonna stand there, and he's just gonna throw bombs and just wait for one to land. Francis Ngannou, he makes adjustments, and you mentioned that Stipe fight. That's that second Stipe fight when Stipe took a shot and Francis stuffed the shot, reversed the position, took Stipe's back. That was like that oh shit moment. For, especially for especially for Stipe, but I think it was that <laughs> moment for everyone where it was like, oh my God, this guy is like legit, like not just the knockout guy. He makes adjustments. He knows what he's doing in there and he's very skilled everywhere. He took his back and just started beating on him. You got to imagine Stipe was like, oh God, here we go. Because he did not expect that, I'm sure. So I think those adjustments are going to be huge. Like you said, they train together. And those odds, actually, the odds now are, it's minus 115 for Ghan and minus 105 for, for Francis. So, so Ghan actually is a slight betting favorite now. Uh, which is interesting, you know, with Francis being the champ and all. But which just, is crazy. so. Just for context, today is Tuesday, December twenty eighth. I made these graphics on Monday, the twenty sixth. So those odds moved quick, very quickly. And there's uh, and they're actually kind of flipped in some. So on DraftKings, he's minus one fifteen. Gone is on FanDuel, he's still a plus one hundred two. So they're gonna be back and forth. I imagine they're gonna be pretty much even uh, leading up to the fight because this is it's like what do you do? It's kind of like a Derek Lewis fight, you know with the knockout power, but you know, I, I, I'm going to go Francis. I'm just glad that both these guys are fighting each other because I hope the winner fights John Jones. And I think both these guys give John an issue, right? Francis with the, with the size, with the power and then gone with the technique. I think if it was like, if, if Derek Lewis is here and, and say somehow Derek Lewis got the title, I, I think that John Jones would run through Derek Lewis. No problem. He's just, he's just way too good everywhere, but I'm excited for this fight. I, I, my pick is going to be, uh, uh, it's going to be Francis. Just because he's got the power, I think he's he's just going to be able to do what he needs to do and be able to stuff Gan's um, attacks. Um, I will look out for a Gan head kick. That's what, that's that's the only thing that really worries me. That little flash knockout. He he throws kicks. Uh, Francis can take a punch, but I don't know if he can take a, a a shin to the side of your head. So we'll see what happens. I, I think Francis is my pick, but a lot of a lot can change in the next three weeks. 
Yeah, we, we did this early breakdown. It was a ton of fun. Um, we're aligned on this fight. We disagree on a few others. Let us know in the comments what you think. And don't forget, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Make a deposit with any one of our five betting partners. Let me know after you do, and I will send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Subscribe, like, do all the things, and we'll see you for more content and more breakdowns every single week. Before you go, don't forget to join our free Discord. It costs $0. We're not hiding any content behind a paywall. Join the Discord. Have the conversations. Have the arguments. Do all the things that people do on the Discord. The link is in the description below. And don't forget, if you want your free $50, free $50, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, make a deposit, let me know, and I'll send you that free $50. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. We'll see you guys soon.